I appreciated so much the song that we sung a little while ago. The Bible stands like a rock undaunted. And I'm so glad tonight the Bible is true, even when we as pastors may sometimes err. Uh, it is not a matter of interpretation as far as scriptures. The scriptures is always true. It may take us a little time before we fully understand some of the passages in God's Word, and we never cease or quit learning, do we? No matter how long we've been saved, no matter how many years we have been studying the Word of God, we never cease to grow in knowledge and understanding of God's wonderful and precious Word. And I'm thankful for that. We can never exhaust the Word of God. Our subject matter tonight is somewhat really the continuation of what Brother Stam has already challenged our hearts with, because I believe it is important for us in these days in which we're living to realize that the battle is not over. We're not certain how far along we are yet because the battle will not end until the Lord Jesus Christ descends from heaven with a shout. Now, as far as most of us are concerned, that could come at any time. We'd love that. But we just don't know what God's plan and purpose is, do we? Surely the apostle to the nations, the apostle Paul, did not realize at all the extent of the administration of the grace of God. I believe that he was looking for the catching up of the church in his own lifetime. And yet here we are over 1900 years later and God's marvelous grace continues to go forth in this world of ours. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared toward all men, not yet to all men, but toward all men. And we thank the Lord that we have the opportunity to make known God's marvelous grace. Last Friday I received a telephone call from my youngest sister that my father was very ill. He lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He has since 1936. And she said that uh, he's not doing well, there are many things that are wrong with him. And I said, well, just as soon as we can make arrangements here and set things in order, we'll be there. So Friday morning, after we took care of the necessary things concerning our church services, lest we were not able to get back on Sunday, we went to Grand Rapids. We arrived there about 6 o'clock in the afternoon. They said, you better go to the hospital. The doctors had given Dad about two to nine hours to live. His heart had stopped once in the morning already, and when we arrived there, the doctor talked with the family, and he said, before morning, he'll be gone. Two doctors told us that he cannot possibly last the evening. Well, I went in by Dad, and as I stood there by his bedside, anticipating perhaps that last breath 
before he was ushered into glory. I talked to him. I don't believe he was responding at that time. He did make some comments, but uh, I'm not certain they were in response to what I was saying. But as I stood there by his bedside, realizing that he might soon be with our Lord, began to talk to him about the wonderful gospel of the grace of God. And I said, Dad, I want you to realize that I am indebted to you, not only as my physical father, but also as my spiritual father, but even more wonderful than this, if that could possibly be, that you are the one who is responsible for my coming to know the gospel of the grace of God. And I said, this is a debt that I will always, in a sense, owe to you. That from my youth up, I have had the tremendous privilege to be brought up underneath the teaching of the word of God in the light of Paul's revelation. And I said, I just want you to know that. I, I, I'm so thankful, so blessed because of what you have done for me spiritually. Now, he made it through the night. He made it through Saturday. I talked with my sister on Sunday. And uh, much to the surprise of the doctors, he was even eating some food on Sunday at noon. My sister was talking with him, and they had one of the, my tapes on, and he said, I'm listening right now. <laughs> he was anxious to listen to the tape, anxious to listen to God's Word. Now, I've said all of that tonight because I believe that every one of us who know God's marvelous grace, the message of grace, have a responsibility to make the message of grace known. I wonder tonight, now there may be some who do not yet know what we're talking about when we talk about the gospel of the grace of God. We're not talking about the fact of salvation by grace and through faith, though that is included in it, to be sure. We are talking of an understanding of God's word in the light of the revelation and the ministry given to the apostle to the nations, the apostle Paul. What I am wondering tonight, how many of you are here and you are the first generation of grace believers? No one else in your family. How many of you are the first generation of grace believers? All right, thank you. How many of you are the second generation of grace believers? All right, we have a few, don't we? How many third generation Wonderful. As you look around, you'll see that we have far more first-generation grace believers than we do second or third. I don't know how it is here in Falls Bible Church. I know how it is in Madison that if we had all of our young people who have grown up and married, 
if we had them in our assembly now with a love and a knowledge and an understanding of the Word of God rightly divided, our church would be considerably larger than it is. And I'm certain that this can be said of many, many churches today. Why is it that oftentimes this message is not as precious to second-generation grace believers as it was to the first. I don't believe it ought to diminish. I think that those who are second and third generation grace believers ought to be rejoicing in the word of God, rightly divided, equally as much, if not even more, than those who were before us. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, and in verse 2, and we'll begin reading with verse 1. Paul writes to young Timothy. Now, we were discussing this afternoon about how young young was. And they talked about a teenager. They talked about 20 years of age, 30 years of age, 40 years of age. And they said, they're still young at 40. And I said, keep going, you know. <laughs> Get up into the 50s, make me feel young again. But uh, they stopped in the 40s. So I guess I've gone beyond uh, that uh, youthful uh, side of it. But Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul's life is soon to come to an end. His ministry is soon to be over. Now I look down the road a few years. I don't know how many years God's going to give us yet. We, we have no way of knowing that. But I look down the road to the time when my ministry is over. And brethren, I sense in my own life now, in my, in my outlook, as far as my ministry is concerned, the thing I want to leave behind more than anything else are men and women who love the Word of God and who are going to carry on the ministry. I don't want my ministry to end when I'm ushered into the presence of the Lord unless it is through the rapture, through the catching up of the church. Then we'll all go together. But brethren, if I go before the catching up of the church, I want to know that there are going to be faithful men who are still proclaiming the gospel of the grace of God. That they are faithfully carrying on the work of the ministry in an uncompromising way. We also heard today the word discipleship. It's the in thing now in many circles the stresses on discipleship as though it's something new. It's really not new, but as was pointed out also this afternoon, Paul goes beyond discipleship, and we have that here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Notice verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong 
in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me, the things that thou hast heard of me, I thank God for men like Pastor Sam. His faithfulness in past years and even to the very hour of standing for the distinctiveness of Paul's message. The emphasizing of the fact that the church on the day of Pentecost was not the church, the body of Christ. And that there are two churches and two programs that are to be recognized in the study of God's Word. Brethren, we have a booklet that we've talked about or has been talked about, why BBF? I want to ask you tonight, why a Grace Church? Why Falls Bible Church? Why Grace Bible Church in Madison? Why any Grace Church? Unless there is something different in our message from that of the average fundamental church. And there are many good fundamental preachers. Let's not sell them short. There are men who know the Word of God and love the Word of God in many areas. But there's something different about our grace churches that sets us apart from the other fundamental churches. And the difference between our churches and theirs is the distinctiveness of Paul's evangel. Recognizing that God gave something to the Apostle Paul that he did not give to the twelve apostles. Now that's been the whole basis of the grace movement. That's the basis of any of our grace movements and our grace churches. At least it ought to be. And we need to be very careful that we don't lose sight of that. Someone just uh, in one of our meetings not very long ago asked the question, why should we make such a distinction between Paul and the Twelve? Why don't we talk more about the similarities? Why don't we talk, why do we make such distinctions? I said, because God does. That's why we do. I, I don't make the distinctions, God does. He is the one that has set them apart. I like uh, uh, the title that Brother Richard Post used some years ago, is now with our Lord. And it was a message he preached down in Burlington, Wisconsin. Forgive me, I've shared this perhaps with some of you before. But the title of his message was this. What God has put asunder, let no man join together. What God has put asunder, let no man join together. It doesn't make any difference where you put the twelve. That's not the issue. It doesn't make any difference where I put the twelve. Does make a bit of difference. God knows where they're at. And well, no matter what we say or what we do, it's going to change that. Now, there's some things I do know in the Word of God about them. I know what hope they had. I know what resurrection hope they had. I know what their calling was, and I know what their calling is today, tonight. But Paul is saying to, to young Timothy, Timothy, don't just Hold the message to yourself. But the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to.
to faithful men. Now, that doesn't exclude you, dear women. Now, we thank God for faithful women as well. Those of you who have known the Word of God, I know down in Genoa City there, Brother Richard Olson, his wife Marion is at home of the Lord now. But when we were down there for the funeral service and fellowshiped with them, he said, you know, I owe my salvation to my wife. Not, not that she died for him, but it was uh, Mrs. Olson that brought to him the message of salvation. Uh, God has used women in a mighty way. And we would encourage every one of you ladies that know the word of God rightly divided to stand faithful, even as we encourage the men to stand faithful. Paul's not excluding them, the women, but he's dealing with those who are going to be teachers, those who are going to be proclaiming the word of God. Now, Brother Dick Ware had a very difficult time when he spoke keeping the women out of our meetings. Uh, he was addressing pastors and trying to get the women in, and I thought, well, I don't know that we have any ordained women in our movement. You know, there are some that do have. Uh, but he's so used to addressing both men and women, you know, it was just so natural for him. But Paul is saying to make this truth known to faithful men. Faithful men. I've said so often in the ministry, it's not always how you begin that counts, but how you end. Now, I've been in the grace message for many, many years. From my youth up, I can go back just about as far as the grace movement goes back. But I learned way back then already that there is only one message for us today. That doesn't exclude all of the Word of God. We know that. But all of the Word of God in the light of Paul's message. And Paul is saying we need faithful men. That's true tonight. We need faithful men. And I challenge you young men to be faithful to the Word of God and to be faithful to the Lord. I'm not asking you to be faithful to a man. I'm asking you to be faithful to the Word. <clears throat> it's easy to become a follower of a man. Now, you ought to respect God's men. You ought to respect them. And I, I thank God for those who have come to us, uh, this one especially, and said, you know, we thank God so much for Brother Sadler's ministry here. I appreciate that. I think God's going to honor the congregation that honors their pastor. And I believe that's scriptural. I don't believe there's anything more disheartening to me than to see churches after a man has poured out his life and soul for a church or for a ministry for years to have that church simply let him go without hardly any recognition at all. I think God's going to hold those congregations responsible. Your pastor needs encouragement, and I can see that he receives that, and that's good. That's the way it ought to be. You can be sure that we have always those in our congregation who feel that they are God's individual to keep the preacher humble. 
We have them. I'm sure perhaps all of you pastors have experienced there are some men that will come and tell you when they don't like the message, but I don't think they ever come to tell you and say, Brother, I enjoyed that today. I appreciated that message, but oh, if they don't like something about it, they're there to let you know. That encouragement we don't need. <laughs> I, I said this, I don't mind a man criticizing what I'm saying if he'll also come and tell me he's in agreement with what I'm saying from time to time. Then I believe that I can take that. Brother Thurman said, uh, when people perhaps disagree with me, he said, I don't always take it uh, very easily. You know, most of us don't. <laughs> Even when it's for our own good, as they tell us, you know, it's for your own good. Well, Paul goes on to say, then commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What's the future of the grace message? This, my dear friend, is the future of the grace message. This is the future of the grace movement. Faithful men who are going to be able to teach others also that it might continue on to the next generation and to the next generation and until the Lord Jesus Christ comes to meet us in the clouds and meet us in the air. In Paul's letter to the believers of Ephesus, I want to come back to what I've already commented on. I realize tonight that most of you who are here are not pastors and teachers in the strictest sense of the word. But in the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians, and I want you to notice with me verse 4. Now, I may be perhaps enlarging on this even more than what uh, Paul intended here, but bear with me a little bit. The apostle declares, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. I see that God gives the fathers a responsibility to bring the children up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord, and I believe that includes the Word of God rightly divided. It, brethren, it has to be taught in the home. And as your children, as your young people, see your love for the Word of God rightly divided, it's going to be impressed upon their minds and impressed upon their hearts. This is where mother and dad come in. This is where you as parents come in. That you might be able to communicate to your children the importance of God's Word in the light of Paul's revelation. Now, brethren, I want you to understand tonight that we say this not simply that we might be able to say, well, I know the Word of God rightly divided, but that we might enjoy the blessings in understanding the Word of God rightly divided. Paul's message exalts and glorifies Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
He lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ. Only in his 13 epistles are you going to find Jesus Christ presented as the head over all things to the church, which is the body of Christ. It's only in Paul's writings that you're going to find God's purpose, God's program for the present administration of grace in which we are living. Our boys and girls need to know that. They need to understand that. Now, we've raised three children. We have grandchildren coming along now. We thank God for them. But it's a wonderful thing for us as parents to know that all three of our children see and love the Word of God in the light of Paul's message. That they see what God has done for them in the person of Jesus Christ, his son. I was talking with a young man and his girlfriend not very long ago. We've been studying together with them on Friday nights quite often. And we were talking about being blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And it's been a thrill to see them growing in their knowledge and understanding of God's word. And the young man said to me, he said, Pastor... What are these blessings that I might rejoice in them? I wonder tonight how many people know what these blessings are in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Blessed with all spiritual blessings, every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, in Christ. Not in a church. Not in a denomination. But in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Brethren, one thing the grace of God does, it takes away all boasting or all, any glory at all that we might have. We have nothing to boast in tonight. We have nothing to glory in tonight. With Paul, we say we are what we are by the grace of God. Complete in thee no work of mine can take, dear Lord, the place of thine. Thy blood hath pardoned fought for me, and I am now complete in thee. See, brethren, this is what we're trying to communicate. This is what Paul wanted Timothy to carry on with. Paul was going to pass from the scene. And he wanted Timothy to be faithful. We've heard about men like Demas. Paul said, Demas has, has forsaken me, having loved the present world system, but Timothy, you be faithful. Timothy, you be true. And as uh, I was in my own assembly some days back, thinking of my father, realizing that perhaps his time is drawing ever so short, as I walked in the auditorium there, I inwardly said, Lord, perhaps Dad may soon be in glory but his ministry will carry on through his son. His ministry will continue on. That's what Paul wanted. Timothy, you teach faithful men who are going to be able to teach others also. You teach him what I have committed unto you, Timothy, what I have instructed you. That is what you're to make known. Are we doing that today? How large would our grace churches be tonight 
if we had reached our sons and our daughters along the way. If we had all of the young people, not many of them far along in age, if they had been one in our own homes, for the word of God rightly divided. But there are parents tonight who can come to you and will come to you and tell you, my son or my daughter doesn't stand for this message. My sons or my daughters are in a compromised position today, or compromising position. Listen, parents, you have a responsibility to teach your children. You have a responsibility to make known to them this evangel of God's grace. The church can't do it alone. The pastor may pour out his heart and soul from the pulpit. But there has to be that love for the word. There has to be that desire in the home as well. And together, you see, together we can leave, we trust a lasting impression upon the hearts and the lives of young people. A dear pastor friend of ours has eight children. And he goes around the house, he and his wife singing, No, not one. Out of his eight children, not one of them living for the Lord. Out of his eight children, not one of them standing firmly for the word of God rightly divided. I think that's sad. And so Paul instructs parents, fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. We have a responsibility as parents. And again, the church can't do it. We, we have your children in our Sunday schools such a short time. Do you expect us to do in a half an hour what takes really hours upon hours to do? You have them in your homes. You have them day in and day out. And again, we can help you. The, the church has ne was never intended to replace the home, but rather to supplement the home. Thus Paul declares, You fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up. It doesn't say send them but bring them up. Again, your God-given responsibility. Go back with me, if you will, to Paul's letter to Timothy. These are not new. But sometimes, brethren, uh, we get into new things that may not always be edifying. And we need, even as our brother Stam has challenged us this evening to have our own love for the word of God rekindled. <coughs> Excuse me. In 2 Timothy chapter 4. Notice verse 1. I charge thee, <coughs> therefore, before God, this is all what it comes down to. 
I charge thee therefore before God who shall judge uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Now this is not the earthly kingdom. You go on the latter part of this chapter and you'll find that Paul speaks of the fact that he will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. It's not the earthly kingdom. But Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I charge thee before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ. I charge you tonight, my dear friend, before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you tonight to be faithful to the BBF. That's not important. I'm not asking you tonight to be faithful to a church. I'm asking you tonight to be faithful to God. Be faithful to His Word. That's our accountability. Not to man's organization. Not that we're not in agreement with it but our responsibility and our accountability is to God. Then in verse 2, preach the Word. Preach the Word. Not the philosophies of men. Not your own ideas. Preach the word. And I'm thankful I learned that as a young man. Preach the word. Why? Because, brethren, that's where God's will is found. That's where God's purpose is found. That's where God's power is found. Timothy, preach the word. Timothy could have said, but Paul, it isn't going to be popular. No, it wasn't popular, never has been, never will be. Years ago, my father said that a dead chicken will draw more people than a living Christ. You have a chicken dinner in your church and find out, and then tell them the next day you're going to have a Bible study in your church and see which night you have the greatest group out. Man tries to use all kinds of gimmicks today, doesn't he? All kinds of methods. But Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, preach. Preach the word. Preach it, Timothy. And I'm certain that he did with all of the vigor and all of the vim and all of the stamina that he could to preach the word. When we stand before the Lord someday at the judgment seat of Christ, when we stand before him and give an account unto him, he isn't going to care how big our crowds were down here on this earth. He's not going to ask us what was the largest number you had in Sunday school. He's not going to be concerned about any of those things. He will want to know, have we been faithful to the Word of God? Timothy, preach 
the Word. That's what God wants all of us to do. And again, I come back to you parents. I come back to you grandparents. Your children need to know the Word of God. Your grandchildren need to know the Word of God. They should be the greatest concern you have in your life. Mrs. Baker has shared a testimony a number of times over the years when our children were growing up. She had a burden for the mission field. And after having had a missionary with us, she said one day, she said, you know, I wish that we could have gone to the mission field. And I said to her, honey, I said, if you bring our three children up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord, you'll have fulfilled the greatest mission that God's ever given you. That's your mission tonight as well as your commission. What a tremendous opportunity the women have who are able to be in the home with their children to bring them up in the things of the Lord. Uh, again, we love children. Our little granddaughter, Bonnie, living, lives down in Florida, said one day, Grandpa and Grandma, I am, uh, whenever I'm around you, all you do is talk about God. We said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Does there anything we want to be known of by our grandchildren? It's that. Our youngest son, Tim, was telling, he's been trying to teach his daughter about Bible things, about spiritual things. And so he was talking to her about Christ's love for her, that God loved her so much and Christ loved her so much, he went to the cross of Calvary and died for her. And little Carrie Lynn thought that over, and I don't know if it was at that time, but a little bit later on she said to her daddy, Daddy, do you love animals? Said, yes. Did you die for animals? No, he said, honey, that, that's not what it is. And again, you see, you go back and you explain what Christ did, how much he loved us. He explained to her his entombment and his resurrection. How he was buried and was raised again the third day. And again, her little mind was thinking. One day was telling about the home where they live in now, how the water pipes are buried out in the backyard. You know what came to her mind. Are those pipes going to be raised someday? <laughs> yeah. You see, but you keep communicating to these young minds and young hearts. Oh, don't make the mistake of saying, I'm going to wait till my child's eight, nine, ten years of age. And I know that Brother Paul Sadler and almost every pastor here tonight would agree. You start your children out in church right away. You get them used to going to church from the very earliest days of their lives. You keep training them. You keep teaching them. You keep instructing them. But let them see it in your life. They need to see it. They need to see it lived out. They need to see it lived in the home. They need to realize it's genuine. That it's real. Going to church is not simply a formality. We go there for a purpose. To come to know and understand a little bit more about the, all that God has done for us. Timothy preach the word.
be instant in season, out of season, exhort and rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. But brethren, let us be faithful to the word of God. Let us be instant in season, out of season. Some they were going to give an account unto our Lord for our ministries down here. Faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And I like to look back over the years of our ministry and look for those faithful men. Young hearts, perhaps, that we might have challenged in some way, motivated in some way, encouraged in some way, that they might remain faithful to God and faithful to His Word. Again, let me say this to young men tonight. I don't know how long before the Lord is going to come, but if it's 10 or 15 years from now, or 25 years or 30 years from now, Will you still be faithful? Far too often we've seen some begin with such zeal. They have started almost like a whirlwind. And then after a year or two years or whatever, you look around and you wonder, where are they? Where are they? I thank God tonight for men like Brother Johnny LeVere who's here. Brother Thurman, some of these men that have been in the ministry far longer than most of us have been. But to see these faithful men, faithful men, and I believe the greatest blessing that any young person can have is to be able to be around the old warriors who have fought the good fight of faith. You know something that concerns me? I'm concerned when we start dividing ourselves up too much into young people and adults and saying, well, there's no line of communication. I don't believe God created the body of Christ that way. Do you? It doesn't say he has two bodies, one young body and one old body. It's one body. And God intends for that fellowship there. And we've encouraged our young people to get close to some of these old warriors. Learn from them. See perhaps some of the battle scars they bear. Appreciate so much our brother Irv Lewis. I've enjoyed his ministry and it's always a blessing to see him. And when you start mentioning names, you get worried you're going to leave someone out. It's not our intention to do that. Not at all. We need faithful men tonight. Are you willing to say to the Lord tonight, Lord, by the grace of God, I want to be that one? Are you willing to say to the Lord tonight, Lord, ten years from now, I want to be among the faithful? I challenge you to do it. I challenge, I urge you tonight, by the grace of God, to make that determination. We heard about Daniel's determination this yesterday.
It takes determination. It takes determination. By the grace of God, I'm not going to compromise. By the grace of God, I'm going to stand. I'm going to put on the whole armor of God. You can be sure the battle's going to come. Never worry about that. The battle's going to be there. Conflict's going to be there. You have an enemy that hates the gospel of the grace of God. Satan hates the word of God rightly divided because it gives God's Son the honor and the glory that belongs to him. Brethren, he's the one that gets the glory tonight. Paul says, He that planteth is nothing, he that watereth is nothing. That's why there's been a lot of nothings up here these last couple of days. <laughs> but it's God that gives the ranks to the place where he came to know the truth of God's word rightly divided. He paid a price. He paid a price. But like I've said to our own congregation, it's better to pay a price here than up there. It's better to pay a price now if needs be than to pay the price at the judgment seat of Christ. I thank God tonight for the O'Hares, the Stams, the faithful warriors of the past. Brother Stam mentioned earlier what his problem was. You know, I heard all along, I've heard for years anyhow, that I didn't realize that was his problem. I, I had heard before that he had O'Hareitis. And that was the problem. <laughs> but, uh, oh, how we thank God for the faithful warriors that have done so much for us. We're indebted to them. Always shall be. But God grant tonight that we might be the ones now to challenge young hearts and, young, and older ones too, by the way. Oh, it's not just for the young. It's for every one of us. Preach the word. But preach it in the light of Paul's revelation. That's important. Amen. When you come to the, the shield of the faith, and I believe that's what it is, uh, in my understanding of the whole armor of God is Paul's message. It's Paul's message, brethren. And the whole armor is needed to battle against the isms and the schisms even among Christians today, to enable us to stand faithful and true to what God is doing today. Shall we just bow our hearts? <coughs> Precious Father, we haven't said anything new tonight. We haven't intended to. But on the other hand, we pray that we haven't said anything old tonight either that these thoughts and these verses fall fresh upon our minds and hearts and ears every time we hear them. Challenge our hearts, Lord. As pastors and Bible teachers, to realize the purpose of our ministries are to train men 
in the light of Paul's message to go out and teach others that wonderful gospel of the grace of God. We thank you tonight for each one who is here, each home, each heart represented in this assembly. We thank you for the pastor and for his work in ministry here and the way that you have blessed the word of God. You always do, Father. And when we preach the word, we can always look for the blessings because it will come. Thank you again tonight for loving us. Thank you for caring for us and giving us a blessed future, a confident expectation in your Son who may soon give that victory shout that we might be caught up to meet him in the clouds and in the air. We give thee the praise in his matchless name. Amen.